Football is back, and so is winning season at MyBookie. Use promo code Gators at MyBookie.ag to claim your deposit bonus, and for a limited time, get a free chip to use in the MyBookie casino. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. Gators Breakdown is proud to partner with America's number one meal kit, HelloFresh. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Gators50. Use code Gators50 for 50% off plus free shipping. Gators Breakdown, because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown podcast is ready to go. I am your host, David Waters. You can find me on social media at GatorDave underscore SEC. And coming at you, oh, after the gut punch that was Florida season opener in Utah, going down 24 to 11 to the Utes and not the start you wanted to see in Billy Napier's second season. Uh, that was uh, putrid in a lot of areas. We'll get into that inexcusable in a lot of areas. Take away some positives from it, but we'll take a, we'll take a look at the game, some stats, uh, some thoughts on the issues there, but that was a, uh, that was a gut punch. That was a wake up call as well. Um, feeling good about this team coming into this game and, one game in, the confidence not quite there as it was coming in. So long season to go. Um, this one game shouldn't define Florida. We hope it doesn't define Florida the rest of the way. Uh, but we got a couple of weeks before we can, uh, you know, feel better about this uh, when Tennessee comes to town. That's about how long we'll stew on this one because uh, next week can't go do much for us after the disappointing loss here. Uh, hopefully, you see some good next week um, to maybe at least hold it at bay uh, a little bit. But, uh, yeah, team not where we want them to be right now. Probably in some ways not where they should be right now. Um, look, and it's not that Florida loss to, to Utah. That does hurt given their injuries and everything that they were facing, but a lot of it is the how. It's the how Florida lost. It's the how, it's how Florida looked. And in a lot of areas where they struggled, Last year, and they continue. Look, what are we looking for in year two? A lot of the, the the areas of growth that should that should rear their head: the penalties, the composure, the play calling, red zone penalties, special teams. We'll get into all of it. Not great. Not great there. For those items, hit that like button. I know you don't like the result of the game, but like what we're doing here, Gators Breakdown, bringing you an episode here, day after a game. Go to GatorsBreakdown.com. You can find a couple articles there. I'll go into one of them right here as we go through the issues Florida was facing, but also get to hear from Billy Napier, Graham Mertz, and Shamar James, what they had to say after the game. You can find those on GatorsBreakdown.com. But like, subscribe right here on YouTube. Join Gators Breakdown Plus. It is hot and heavy, of course. Uh, that Discord chat on fire. On fire, of course. Um, Brandon, you guys know. You can predict what the conversations are. It's not pretty. It's not pretty. So if, you, if you're looking for pretty conversation, there, there, there's, there's some. I mean, there's, not, uh, there's, there's some jumping off the ledge. There's some trying to pull back, pull back some, some of the fan base. But hey, given what we saw last night, eh, a lot of it's deserved. 
uh, there. But Gators Breakdown Plus, you get extra episodes. Did a chat pregame yesterday. I'll be trying to do chats in, in the pregame uh, as well. Um, but, you know, the Discord chat going on there, extra episodes, ad-free episodes. You get a newsletter in your email this morning. You would have saw the articles I put out, GatorsBreakdown.com. Q&A, giveaways, custom shout-outs, and more. Link is in the description to join Gators Breakdown Plus. So, look, guys, I mean, it was outcoached, uh, unprepared. I mean, outcoached. Okay, Kyle Whittingham's a good coach. Uh, if you, if that was 31-28, you're probably still outcoached. But, man, it, it probably doesn't look like you're unprepared. But, but, but Billy Napier and, and company were unprepared uh, for, for this game. Look, I know, tough place to play. And I, I, I talked about it a lot uh, on, on chats. I believe I probably brought it up in, in some of the episodes here too of you know, taking a young team that hasn't played a whole lot together in, in that environment. Like I thought Florida would be able to overcome it, but I still laid it out there. If there was a worry for me, it's taking the new pieces, it's taking the new faces of this team and going on the road game one, and maybe it doesn't flow so well. I didn't think it would happen, but it was a worry uh, that, that, that I kept pointing out there, especially for some, some of the freshmen. And, you know, we saw some freshman mistakes, but we saw some freshman excitement at the same time. That's what you get with freshmen. But it was just, you know, coaching staff, decisions, that, you know, the, the things we expected to be. Look, freshmen, I'll, I'll forgive them for mistakes. Not, not the mistakes some of this, the, the, the staff was showing. You know, would months to prepare – for this second season opener for Billy Napier, there's no excuse to look like that. There's none. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't care how young you look, all that, the, the procedure penalties, the, the false starts. Nah, <laughs> I expect to see some growth there. Uh, untimely penalties, atrocious special teams once again. Too slow on offense. I mean, it looked discombobulated at times. Uh, granted, I mean, if this would have been easier at home in the swamp, of course it would have been. But this is what you prepared for. You knew this is what you were walking into game one. And it still looked like the offense, not really a handle on what you're doing. We hear Graham Mertz has full control of the offense, and you might be able to know what to do, but then there's a speed component to this too, especially late in the game when you're trying to mount a comeback. It just looks slow. Uh, and too many plays, uh, probably not aggressive enough, but at the same time, I mean, in the play calling and some of the decisions maybe from, from, from Graham Mertz to the receivers, who Graham Mertz, I mean, he was fine. Overall, he was fine. Uh, but, you know, toward the end of the game, you, you started seeing some of the limitations uh, right here of this offense. Um, no urgency. No, it did not just seem like there was any urgency, maybe coming from the sideline uh, there as well. And look, you cannot make those mistakes against a team like Utah. And I know, you know they're a good team, but eight starters out, including Rising, Keithy, the best defensive lineman we found out right before the game, Junior Tafunas, did not play either. No matter all the newness, this should have been a more winnable game for Florida than what it looked like. A lot of it self-inflicted, but a lot of it was Utah as well. They, they were prepared. They were absolutely prepared. All the missing pieces, all the key. We can sit here and say for Florida, all right, this starting lineup probably hasn't played a lot together. Well, I don't think Utah did either with all the missing pieces they had on both sides of the ball. Being at home helped, but they were, they were, be, they were able to overcome and adapt. Overcome and adapt, and hey, let's just get to uh, my my big takeaway. That that's where we'll start with this. There ain't no sense in going play by play or drive by drive and stuff. And we we, we all watched the game. We know where Florida messed up. We'll get into some of that, uh, but no sense in doing it detail detail play by play. 
But I'm going to go to GatorsBreakdown.com, kind of highlight the article I put up for the red zone, the penalties, and the special teams. Places I thought Florida and where the focus would be would just be a whole lot better than what they really were. So Billy Napier, of course, first season at Florida. Florida was 118th in the red zone. And it continued here, just like last year. Can move the ball between the 20s. I mean, we'll go and look at the stats here. Stats don't win your ball game all the time. We, we, we know that. You know, we try to look at stats that, that, that mean something. Well, in a way, it does mean something. It lets you know Florida moved the ball but still lost the game. Between the 20s, not much. Not much issue. Not much issue. But continued again. Florida 50% in the red zone. Versus Utah. Adam Mahalik, of course, made his first field goal. Made the lead 7-3 for Utah after their first big touchdown. Florida's next possession, missed field goal. The first one was 32 and good. 31-yarder, pushed it wide right. So right there, early in the game, Florida was starting to build a little bit of momentum. How many times have I brought up the word momentum about this team? I mean, it's been game by game going into last season, and it's been in games, in games where that's been another struggle for this coaching staff, for this team. Cannot handle momentum. Cannot string together good events. Yeah, but this, you, know, you get in the red zone twice, made field goal, missed field goal. So later in the third quarter, Florida's down 24-3, to three. Face a fourth and three on the Utah 15. And that shovel pass to Dante Zanders was called. Utah blew the play up from the start. Florida's offensive lineman didn't know where they were going. Zanders loses a yard. Too cute of a call for me to begin with. I don't think Dante Zanders is necessarily the guy I would be pegging to get that type of play. Did not care for the call whatsoever, or at least who it was going to, the beneficiary of the, of the shovel pass. Maybe trying to catch Utah off guard at the same time. I know the run game wasn't necessarily there, so maybe trying to line up on, and force it down their throat probably wasn't going to work either. But in hindsight, I mean, we can, we can certainly, certainly criticize that call. But just, just I mean, offensive line, they were lost on the play. They, like, they didn't even know what the play was. Running into each other, just making it way too easy for, for Utah to stop that play. But another red zone trip. Third one of the game, you get no points. No points out of it. You had to go for it. You're down 24 to 3. And then the last red zone trip of the game produced Florida's only touchdown. Graham Mertz jump ball to Caleb Douglas. Great. I mean, great catch by Caleb Douglas. Good throw by Graham Mertz. Put it in the spot. He could come down with it. But what, I mean, and a big reason we'll get into this for the red zone penalties. Penalties killed Florida once again. And they opened up the game. First drive of the game, it's third and short, and there's a the false start. And that would just be a, a precursor to the rest of the day. And this is something else that came up. And it's not even necessarily number of penalties for Florida this time. Or the, or the yardage that came out of it. Yeah, the number was high. Nine penalties. You can't have that. But it wasn't for crazy yardage because it was the timeliness of it. And it was turning third and shorts into third and mediums. And with a struggling offense, it just wasn't going to work. I mean, penalties against the Gators contributed to points for Utah and likely took points away from Florida. Penalties in the red zone, killer. 
during that drive where Mahalik missed the field goal, Florida was called for a delay of game on third and seven from the Utah 15. Delay of game. Next play, Graham Mertz, 11-yard game. Credit to him, giving it his all. Sets up a fourth and one from the Utah nine. Then Damian George flagged for a false start. And then, then you missed the field goal. Just those sequence of plays. But the delay of game, making it third and long. And then another on the fourth down and short. Making it a field goal, making, making the field goal longer. But also, you're going for it on fourth and one. Now it forces you to kick a field goal that you miss. And perhaps the biggest penalty. Well, wait, never mind. We're going forward in the third quarter on that Xander's failed conversion. Florida had third and one at the Utah 13. Then we call for a legal formation. Trevor Etienne gets a three yard reception on the next play. The shovel pass to Xander's was called, fell in the end zone. You have third and one, third and one, and then a legal formation. But then the biggest penalty probably came away from the red zone in the second quarter. We'll go back to the second quarter. I was trying to concentrate on the red zone, how it cost Florida some points. Those untimely penalties. But the biggest one, the most inexcusable one, you can there is no defense for this whatsoever. Florida finally had a little bit of momentum on defense. You got to stop. This was after the Mahalik missed field goal. You force a punt near midfield. It's fourth down and three. Florida called for a legal substitution because there's two number threes on the field. Jason Marshall and Trey Wilson get called. It's fourth and three. There's a penalty. First down Utah. They score three plays later to make it 14-3. There is no excuse whatsoever that should ever happen. Because two players got to have the same number. You're relying on a true freshman to remember that he's got to switch jerseys. I guess kind of goes to special teams, and we'll go there next too. But, okay, where's all these army of assistants who's supposed to be catching this? Where's the head coach making sure this does not happen? Had some momentum on defense. I mean, these are these are the these are the inexcusable things where it just made it harder for Florida. Would Florida have won this game anyway? Maybe not. Probably not. But you certainly as heck didn't give yourself a chance, and it's because of the, the inexcusable penalties once again that cost Florida a lot last year, and now we're seeing it in first game year one or year two. To go back to last year, struggle with penalties, 104th and fewest penalties allowed for the Gators last year. Trend continued. Nine penalties, 45 yards, but it wasn't the yardage. Took Florida at a favorable, down in distance, led directly to scores for Utah. Florida was unprepared to handle that atmosphere. And then let's go to special teams again. No, no, no changes were made there in the offseason. You have a game-changer coordinator, but they divvy the responsibilities of special team on game day, and it, it you know, we, we, we saw what that meant for Florida. Missed field goal by Mihalik. The Marshall-Wilson jersey incident, already mentioned. But a few more instances where special teams did not perform at the level it should have for Florida. In one instance, that's probably helped Utah score some points. 
The Gators forced a fourth and 22 from their own 25-yard line in the second quarter. Yeah, they're, they're in fourth and 22, punt. Jeremy Crawshaw shanked the punt for 21 yards. That gave Utah possession at the Florida 46-yard line. Utah converted one first down, but they managed to score three points from a 51-yard field goal. They stayed in their lead to 17-3. Only, they only need one first down to get a field goal out of it just because they started in great field position. Then later in the third quarter, Wilson back to return a punt, traveled 61 yards, pushed back the field to punt, should have let it go into the end zone, tackled right away, back at the seven-yard line. So what happens? Deep in your own territory, three plays later, Graham Mertz, Ricky Pearsall, timing off on a short route, ball gets batted in the air, interception Utah. Three plays later, Bryson Barnes, five-yard touchdown scramble, 24-3 Utah. I mean, you can directly correlate a lot of the scores for Utah due to penalties, due to special teams. Points against Florida due to special teams and penalties. I mean, the three issues we wanted, I mean, three of the issues, not necessarily just all of them, but these are the probably three main issues coming from last year, red zone offense. Penalties, red zone, red zone, penalties, special teams. All reared their head in game one. It was not pretty. Not pretty at all. And man, that, that, that was probably the toughest part, toughest part about this. Is just seeing those mistakes where we're looking for growth in year two. You know, we have the Great talk of the camaraderie in the team and, and, and the culture there. But then to go out and see these happen again doesn't inspire a lot of confidence. Only one game. It was on the road. You hope next week it's not an issue. We'll get the first test in a couple of weeks there, but you know, this is going to be something we point to to Florida plays to Florida goes on the road to Kentucky. And we'll see what it looks like on the road again. But the margin for error for this team is not there. There's very, very little margin for error. And you were going to need to improve on these aspects to take the next step for this team. So this cannot continue to be an issue for Billy Napier's team. Unreal. I just I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I, was, I was just astonished that this was the issues that we saw. For a coach that's supposed to be so detailed and meticulous, and look, he is, but for whatever reason, it is not translating. And the, the whole uniform switch and double, get rid of the dumb numbers if you have to. So what if you got to hurt some feelings along the way? But it should not have been that hard. You got to take care of your, and Napier always talking about being on schedule, taking care of your own business. Florida didn't do that. Florida did not do that. All right. Hey, let's take a look at some stats. I just wanted to get those three things out of the way. Those were the things that bugged me the most. You can check out the article, gatorsbreakdown.com, if you want to check that out. But. There we go. 
There are some stats for you. Let's go through team comparison here. Florida outgained Utah. Didn't mean a whole lot. 346 to 270. 333 passing yards for Graham Mertz. Only 165 for Utah. Rushing yards. There you go. We'll get into that in just a second. 13 rushing yards for the Gators. That is counting sacks. We'll get into the difference here in just a second. 105 for Utah. Penalties. 9 for 45 for the Gators. 5 of 37 for Utah. And there you go. Utah had four less penalties, you know, only eight less yards. It wasn't the yardage that necessarily killed Florida. It was the timely yardage. Turning those third and shorts, fourth and shorts, into medium medium gains, where you got to convert a third and six, third and seven now. Inexcusable. Third down. One of 13 for the Gators. Hey, we wanted to see third down improvement from Austin Armstrong in this defense. We'll get into that too, but 3-13 for Utah. There's an improvement. I mean, it didn't matter who Florida was playing in years past. Third down defense was terrible. And against a competent, even with the backups, a competent Utah offense, 3-13. of Now, Utah got a little conservative in the second half, but Florida did their job. And then continued even worse, Florida 2-5 of on fourth down, Utah didn't even need to go for it on fourth down. 65 plays for the Gators, 5.3-yard average per play, 10.7 yards completion, uh, kind of conservative there, of course. Uh, average yards per rush, 0.6, but you take the sacks out. Average 3.8 yards a carry to the Gators for 60 yards. That is not going to get it done in this Billy Napier offense. Utah, we knew they were going to be limited without Cam Rising and rely on the run game a bit more, more from the quarterback spot with Nate Johnson. But 3.5 yards of carry, I mean, that's nothing to write home about for Utah. They'll want more than that during the season. Florida's defense holding up well there. But there you go. Let's go to the next stat, red zone. Florida 2 of 4 in the red zone, of course, shooting themselves in the foot, 1 for 1 for Utah. Time of possession, 31-58 for the Gators, 28-02 for Utah. Of course, the Florida turnover deep in their own territory, putting the defense in a bad spot. Florida, no sacks. Two years in a row where Florida does not get to the Utah quarterback. There were some pressures, but could not, could not dictate up front. Played well, played okay, but not enough to get home, take the quarterback down, consistent pressures. On the other hand, Utah, five sacks on Graham Mertz, some offensive line, some running backs not being able to pick up a block, a tight end not being able to pick up a block, seven tackles for loss for Utah, and four for the Gators. All right, let's take a look at the Florida offense and some stats here. Let me pull them up somewhere else so I can read those better. There's a – on my screen, no show up. Pretty small. So, all right, let's go Utah – or Florida offense. Graham Mertz, 31 of 44, 333 yards, one touchdown, one interception, quarterback rating of 137, 70% completion percentage. Mickey Pierce saw eight catches for 92. Probably could have, should have had more. 
long of 40. Jonathan Odom showed up big in the passing game from the tight end spot, 446, long of 23, 11 and a half yards per reception. Ricky Pearsall as well, 11 and a half. Caleb Douglas with a big touchdown catch for the Gators. Four catches for him for 42 yards. ETN, four for 12. Not a lot, uh, unfortunately, from there. Montreal Johnson was the beneficiary of, as far as running backs go. Catching the ball, a couple screen passes he takes. Three catches, 41 yards for him. Long as 17. Marcus Burt with some nice catches there, contested catches. Two for 61 was a highlight early in the game was Marcus Burt. At that point, I mean, Billy Napier was calling up some good plays there, but just the rhythm, once again, not consistent for this Gator offense. But around that time when Marcus Burke was the benefit, he was the beneficiary of the play calling when it looked like it was in a good spot. Trey Wilson, Eugene Wilson, two of 24. Got to get the ball in his hands more. I think we all saw that. He has the, he needs the ball a little bit more. And I'll get into it in just a second. There's more opportunities there. But 11 receivers. Caught passes. Livingston, Livingston, Hanson, a couple of the other tight ends there catching. Khalil Jackson with a catch too early in the game. And Dante Sanders, you see the one there, one from negative one. That's the shovel pass right there. Rushing. Oh, this is this is the embarrassing one. Something we thought we'd be able to count on. Now look, I, I going into Gage Breakdown Plus Discord in the chat. You know, I I've been. They're saying, I don't think this offensive line is as good as last year. Look, that's not breaking news to anybody. We, we, we know that. Um, I did not expect this, though. Uh, they got bullied. And the stats show it. ETN, seven attempts for 25 yards. Probably not enough attempts overall. I think Florida abandoned the run a little bit too early. But ETN, seven for 25, along at eight. Wilson, one for nine, along at nine, of course. Montreal Johnson, three attempts, six yards. Some thought he might be injured, and I think Graham Hall was um, mentioning that he had a foot, ankle tape, something like that. I'm not sure, didn't really hear anything about it, so see if we can get any more on that. Trayon Webb gets in with a carry for three, but I never thought I would see that stat line in the game. 31 of 44 for Graham Mertz with 333 yards, and the rushing attack where ETN is leading with seven, and Montreal Johnson only has three. Ten carries between the two main running backs for Florida. Starts up front, not a lot of good run blocking or consistent run blocking. I thought ETN had a couple nice gains, could have had some bigger gains. He was about the only one it looked like, as far as running backs go, that had something to work with. Disappointing performance there. For sure. All right, let's go Gator defense. We'll go through the stat sheet here. And, man, look at Shamar James. Second-year linebacker we wanted to see. We get it in game one. 13 total tackles, six. I mean, he was just everywhere. Looking like a missile at times. One and a half tackles for loss for him. Jordan Castell, true freshman, seven tackles. Four of those being solo. Miguel Mitchell, another four tackles. Two of those solo. TJ Searcy. Look at that. Fre- I mean, if there was one freshman that caught your eyes up front, it was one Searcy. He looked great in his first action. 
to Roger Mitchell with three tackles. Tyreek Sapp, I thought, played well up front. Three total tackles, two of those solo, or one of those solo. Jason Marshall with a nice, nice tackle for loss later on in the game. He had two. Got beat on the opening touchdown there by, by, by Utah. Not much safety help from Moten as he got turned around. But but in there to make a play, neither one of them make it. But there you go. There's a look at your stat. I won't go through all the names there. But one I will throw in Jamari Lyons. Now, I talked about him on Gators Breakdown Plus uh, pregame chat yesterday. Saying he'd probably get more time, you know, with McClellan kind of being banged up a bit. Came in, got two tackles there for the Gators. So there's you look at your uh, Florida defensive stats. And we'll quickly go through Utah as well. Nothing's really going to jump out at you. Bryson Barnes, 12 of 18, 159 yards, one opening touchdown, 67% completion. I thought Florida made it a little too easy for him at times, gave him too much time. Get into that. Nate Johnson, three of four, very conservative, six yards, <laughs> and not much there in the passing game from him. Uh, you saw the trick, the trick play Vele had. I mean, look, we, we, we sit here and say, you know, Florida, you know, did play well on defense at times, caught some breaks at times as well, some timely drops by Utah. Uh, wide open trick play, you know, so still, you know, with a lot of Utah backups, still miss some opportunities to really, really clamp down. Caught some breaks. Caught some breaks at the same time. Hey, that happens. That's part of the game. But something we should still make note of. Utah receivers, nothing much, you know, really, really stands out there. Seven receivers, 15 catches, 165 yards. I mean, it was Parks and the big 70-yarder to start the game off of the Utah offense that, that, that hurt the most. 30 attempts for 105 yards, three and a half yards of carry when they weren't, they were, they weren't running all over Florida. Had some timely runs. That was certainly the case there. But Nate Johnson... That one 27-yard run, that was enough. Keep separating the lead. He had six attempts for 45 yards. You know, besides that 27-yard run, pretty much held in check. And no surprise if you look at the Utah defense, Cole Bishop leading the way, 11 total tackles, nine of them solo. He makes up for a disappointing game versus Florida last year. You heard Porter Larson, my guest from Utah, on the episode. They say he was taking this game personal. Well, he showed up. Nine solo tackles, 11 total, one tackle for loss. I believe it was, you know, blowing up the Trevor Etienne in the backfield. But they were missing some players. They were missing some depth up front. Did a really, really good job loading the box, holding that Florida offense at bay in the running game. All right, so as you look at some stats, not a pretty picture. Not a pretty picture. I mean, there's stats on defense. I mean, okay, okay, no, okay. Nothing to write home about, but see how much of a starting point. Didn't expect it to be perfect. We'll get into that on defense too, but like a nice first showing. If I, if, I, if I put it somewhere. 
But all right. Hey, we'll get into some more player-specific talk here in just a second. But everybody, hey, make yourself feel better. Go win some money. Go win some money at my bookie. Football's back. We got a full slate of college football this weekend. Brand new cash-out system at MyBookie gives you options to bet and win all season long. First two legs of your parlay hit, well, okay, cash out early. Use the funds on another bet. Let it ride to take a chance at a bigger payday. Use early cash-outs as a tool to stay in control of the action at MyBookie. To get started, go to MyBookie.ag and register now for a free account. When you're ready to make your first deposit, just use promo code GATERS to grab a welcome bonus on the house. That's promo code GATERS to claim your deposit bonus. And for a limited time, get a free chip to use in the MyBookie Casino. You can bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. And guys, you can also, uh, you know, help yourself feel better. Maybe a little bit with some food. Maybe some food from HelloFresh. We're proud to partner with them as America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh has been a hit with my family. And with football season here, of course, I need all the time I can get in HelloFresh Hey, man, they, 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 they save me that time. They really, really do. They want me to have it all. Your free time, easy, fresh, tasty food, you can have it too. They take care of the meal planning and deliver the ingredients right to your door. A delicious meal. I mean, delivered right to your door, your front door. Open the door, that very that cool, chilled box, delivered fresh. Cook it up, that recipe, in just 15 minutes or less. My favorite meal so far has been those beef flauta supreme, that Smoky red pepper cream. Man, I tell you, that stuff is good. All right, right now, that's the time to join HelloFresh. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Gators50. Use code Gators50 for 50% off plus free shipping. One more time, HelloFresh.com slash Gators50. Use code Gators50 for 50% off plus free shipping. Get your time back. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. All right, let's go to the quarterback. Let's go to Graham Mertz. And look, I, you know, stats probably a little inflated, having a fight from behind. I think he, he played better than I thought he would. I think was asked to play in a style that not necessarily, I, I'm not sure with the game plan coming in. Utah stacks the box. You got to be able to take advantage in the passing game. But being behind, absolutely little to... No run game to lean on. I think he showed he, he, he could run the passing aspect of the offense. It's not enough. And that's not a knock on him. Billy Napier and his offense needs to be able to run the ball to win a game. We, 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 through one season and one game now, we have enough. We thought, we, we thought that mostly coming in. I've said the whole time, if the, if the, if the game is on Grant Mert's shoulders, I thought he played well enough to you know, keep Florida, give Florida a chance. But it would need to be paired with a run game. Put too much pressure on your quarterback, and look, Mertz isn't the type to help out this offensive line with, the, with escaping the pressure. I mean, Florida could get something going, but then the sack would happen. I mean, leaning on your quarterback this much it's a precursor for the offense not working under Billy Napier. 44 attempts. Under Napier, since he's been hired at Florida, there's a stat for you. 
The highest number of pass attempts the Gators have won under Napier are 28. That's against Texas A&M last season. The highest number of pass attempts the Gators have won with under Napier are 28 against the Aggies last season. Florida's 0 for 5 when the quarterback throws for more than 30 attempts. 0 for 5. 0 for 4 last year. Count last night as well. 0 for 5. So look, all the passing yards look great on the stat sheet, but under Billy Napier, that doesn't equate to wins. Many times in this situation, it's because the offense is fighting behind. Run game isn't working. Abandoning it early. Merce was a little, you know, conservative at times, especially late in the game. Utah was kind of just letting him pick him apart, use a whole lot of time, which Florida was playing right into their hands. No sense of urgency in the offense. Played right into what Utah did. A lot of dinks and dunks. And look, we, 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 thought, we, we knew Merch was going to be good at that. That's what we were hearing. The short, the intermediate. Not, not much yardage past the 37-yarder to Burke, the 40-yarder to Pearsall. Had the running game been there, Merch's performance was, his performance was, clear, it was clearly enough. And the run game was where we thought, I saw enough for Graham Merch to say, okay, this would have been a pretty good offense. But unfortunately, could not pair the two together. Utah loaded the box, controlled the Florida ground game, but look, there was little resistance. Florida couldn't dictate anything up front. I mean, there's teams out there that beat numbers all the time. If your offensive line is at a point, and we saw it last year, there were at times last year they could beat, I mean, AR being a big part of it. Of course, you got numbers. You didn't have to equate, you didn't have to, uh, you didn't have to uh, make up for the quarterback. There's no worry from Mertz running. I mean, of course he did a keeper one time, gained, what, five, six yards off of that. But now we're, we're, we're seeing Billy Napier's offense without a legit threat to run at quarterback. Like, I still expected more push up front despite the numbers advantage for Utah, but it wasn't there. They pretty much had one more than Florida could block, but there was just, even that, there was just no push or very inconsistent push. Patchwork offensive line, missing Kingsley on the road. Couldn't get it done. Damian George, a liability in pass protection. We got that We got that much. We know that. And you know, if, you, if you're part of Gators Breakdown Plus and in the Discord, you know, Ocho had been screaming from the mountaintops all summer long that this is probably what we would get from Damian George. And it's exactly what we got. Now, look, all the injuries have certainly hurt the time the group has been together, Mazuka back in the spring, of course, him coming along, all the injuries now in, in fall camp that probably haven't been able to solidify and practice with a starting five or a starting five that we thought would be. And then the last week and a half, two weeks, Kingsley's been injured. But yeah, all the injuries, they really hurt. Longest run all night. Go back to it, guys. This is, this, this is the saddest part. The longest run all night was the Mertz scramble on third and 12 where he got absolutely plastered. And he get, you know, he, he get, give it his all. Give it his all on the run. He set up that fourth and short where Florida gets the penalty. But there's another part where the penalty hurt. Florida, third and long. You had, then your quarterback has to run. Gets hit, but that was the longest run all night. Trevor Etienne, Montreux Johnson, no explosive runs all night long. Partly because there just wasn't much to work with up front. 
thought it took too long to get to the quick, wide passing game. You know, get the ball quickly into Ricky Pearsall's hands. I think we need to see Trey Wilson more in that role as well. Help that running game. Stretch defense out left to right. Unload that box any way possible. I thought, I thought it took too long to, to kind of adjust to that. Another stat for you. Florida averaged Florida averaged 7.6 yards gained on first down. Not bad. Still found a way, somehow, to manage an average of third down and 10.2 yards to go. So most of the time, getting a lot of yardage on first down, but didn't equate to third down. 7.6 yards gained on first down for the game. That somehow managed to equal, on third down, 10.2 yards to go. That's where those penalties come in. No consistency in the offense. Just when it looked like they would get things going, they'd move between the 20s, get to the red zone, and fall apart. There was a good little stretch there in the first half. As I said, Marcus Burke catching passes. Wilson getting involved early. Montreal Johnson screen. Pierce all catching the ball, but there was just nothing. Nothing there. Nothing there consistency. Uh, defense. Uh, like I said, we'll go to them. I like how the defense responded for the most part after that opening play. Uh, but, but here, I mean, Florida still had two defenders in position to make a play on the ball. The ball was in the air for forever. And it was the Utah receiver making the play. Two defenders in there. Not one. Not one Florida player making the play. 70-yard touchdown to open the game. Hard to get a full gauge on the potential of this defense with Rising and Keithy out, but as I said plenty of times this week, we've solved this defense play bad versus bad offenses. But it didn't play bad. And this was an average offense. I don't think it's bad, given the experience Utah had at quarterback still, fourth year for Barnes, has some starts, being able to build a game plan around him, knowing Rising was probably out. But still still a ways to go till we figure out the base level for this defense. I think, I think we can say they're better than last year. I don't think there's any fault in saying that, but how much better? Hard to get a full gauge on where they're at after this game. They were putting some bad spots for sure. Penalties, special teams, blunders, putting some bad spots for sure. Turnover deep in the territory. Improved tackling overall. I mean, besides the one uh, quarterback run there for Utah, I thought court, uh, tackling was much better. Much, much better to me. Third down defense, we went previously, that was great. I thought Barnes had too much time to throw most of the night. Uh, I didn't see the aggressiveness I expected to see from Austin Armstrong. Perhaps that opening play held that at bay a little bit. But perhaps could have created some more turnovers had the ag- aggressiveness been there. More hits on the quarterback. And the turnovers were desperately needed to set the offense up and maybe some good field position. There were chances for turnovers there. Devin Moore dropping an interception. Would have been a heck of a play. 
But maybe that first play put the mindset of trying to limit the deep ball, maybe called off some of the aggressiveness from, from Austin Armstrong, but didn't see. I mean, no, no sacks. Second year in a row, no sacks versus Utah. There were hits on the quarterback. They got close a few times. New Princely, kind of an up-and-down day. But also, you heard it mentioned on the telecast. I'm sure you guys saw it too. Wait, again, too many times not lined up at the snap. Guys moving around, shifting around. It ultimately didn't hurt Florida too much. Utah wasn't able to fully take advantage of that, but better teams, better offenses will. Tennessee in a couple of weeks, and that hurry-up, sped-up offense. What I saw in the first game, first game, new defense coordinator, figuring it all out. But that's got to be better. Got to be better. In a couple of weeks versus Tennessee, and you're going to have the home crowd on your side where it's going to be really, really, really loud. Communication may be an issue. If there's something on defense, they got to clean up first and foremost. Get lined up by the snap. R.J. Moten was responsible for two of Utah's biggest plays, the opener for touchdown, the Nate Johnson run, missing tackles, and that was something we were worried about with him. His weak spot at Michigan, and it cost Florida. We go back to it, Utah, 270 yards of offense. Take away the big play, only 200 yards of offense, that big 70-yarder to open up, the first touchdown of the game. Don't get me wrong, you can't take it away from the stat sheet, can't take it away from the scoreboard. It's there, but it does let you know where they were at the rest of the game. As I said, I do think they called the dogs off, got a little conservative in the second half as well, knowing the struggles Florida was facing on offense. But once again, since Florida was doing a better job at tackling, Utah did get conservative, but Florida was able to do their job. Once again, up front, T.J. Searcy, true freshman. I mean, you got to be excited about the future there. It was good, and it's good to hear about the true freshmen we were hearing about. You know, some of them. You know, it's one game. But he was one we were hearing about, really excelling along the defensive front. Got some play in time. There he is making plays. Kelby Collins getting into the backfield. Another true freshman. Tyreek Sapp now thrust into a new role. He made a couple nice plays. Shamar James once more. Second year, looking for that big, big jump at linebacker for him. He's been, he lived up to the billing. Great. About time somebody at linebacker lived up to a billing right away. We'll see if that can continue. But ready to see some more uh, about this defense when they start playing some better offenses. But I think past, past what they were supposed to here, putting some bad spots. Was it perfect? No. Wasn't going to be in the first game. Cam Jackson, um, I know um, he had a death in the family. He, he announced after the game, but was a little surprised. Didn't hear much more from him uh, in this game. Well, let me see. Let me go through and see if there's some more, some more notes that Florida sent out here. And I'll... Um, they seem to be tend to be a little more on the positive side here, coming from Florida after the game. 
Let's see. In his Gators debut, Graham Mertz became the fourth Florida quarterback in program history with 300 yards passing, 30 completions, and a 70% completion percentage in a game. Joining Rex Grossman in 2002, Tim Tebow in 2010 versus Cincinnati, and Kyle Trask did it three times. Um, Mertz, 31 of 44, 70%, career high, 333 yards. That's a career high. He didn't do that at Wisconsin. One touchdown, one interception. Mertz started 7 and 9 for 109 yards. Just just dispersing the ball. All pretty good early on. But here's where, you know, the passing yard stat really kind of hurt, comes back to haunt a Billy Napier offense. Graham Mertz produced Florida's first 300 yard passing game since Anthony Richardson threw for 400 last year against Vanderbilt. Anthony Richardson threw for 400 yards against Vanderbilt. That was a loss. Graham Mertz, 300 yards versus Utah. It was a loss. It does not equate in Billy Napier's offense. You have to be able to run the ball. Now, I know that goes to a lot of the conversation of, does Napier need to hire an offensive coordinator? And like, I, I probably held off on that a bit like Pure play calling, I think he might be okay if he didn't have the other responsibilities. But now being the head coach and him wanting to be involved in every little aspect. Hey, look, it worked at Louisiana. I'm sure he wants to try it here at Florida too. Um, but this is this is uh this is big boy. Competition has been ramped up big time. And there's a lot more that's going on. And they probably need the help. Probably need to be able to concentrate on other aspects. Being the, being a game manager in the game. Being able to manage the game without necessarily having to call the plays. Maybe a lot of these procedural penalties. Maybe the plays coming in faster. The offense looking smoother comes from... There's just too much on Billy Napier's plate as the head coach, the offensive coordinator, the game planner. You know, Doing all that during the week as well in, as far as preparation goes. He needs to be focused there during the week, but he's also got to be a head coach. What's that umbrella need to look like for Billy Napier to have some more success here on offense? I think it got hit too much of how bad the offense was. I don't think it was terrible last year. I thought there were opportunities, some good play calls being made, but last night, a couple plays here or there could have been made, but was execution bad at times? Yeah, especially up front offensive line too, but I do think some of the timely play calling, a lot of these issues that we talked about earlier in the episode, especially in the red zone. What I mean, what happens to the play calling in the red zone? All of last year, starting here too, can Billy Napier have enough time, enough research to put in this to find out the issues that are plaguing this offense when they get to the red zone? Maybe he needs to help where he's not necessarily calling a play so he can identify how to fix some of these issues. Jonathan Odom, career high, 43 yards. That was his career high. Four receptions. Ricky's Pirasol, eight receptions. That was a new Gator high for him. Wilson, Webb, Livingston, Najee Harris made their debuts in the first half. I mean, just mentioned there was true freshmen everywhere on the field for Florida. Most of them performed pretty good. 
Defense in the second half, Florida held Utah to just 38 total yards, the team's lowest total in a half since allowing just 18 to Vanderbilt in 2019. True freshman Jordan Castell, Jakeem Jackson, TJ Searcy, Dijon Johnson, Kelby Collins, Sharif Denson all played in the first half of this game. Castell team with a team tied with the team high, six tackles, four solo in the first half. Finished with seven on the night. Jamari Lyons mentioned him, his first career tackle for loss. Jamar James paced the orange and blue with a career high 13 tackles, six solo. James' 13 tackles were the most by a Florida player since Rashad Torrance, 13 versus Tennessee last year. Florida held Utah to under 300 total yards of offense, 270. Four times since the start of the 2022 season last year, the Gators have held an opponent to 300 yards or fewer. Explosive plays, 37-yarder to Marcus Burke, 24-yarder to Marcus Burke, 18-yarder to Jonathan Odom, Ricky Pearsall, a 40-yarder, a 16-yarder, Jonathan Odom, a 23-yarder again, Caleb Douglas, a 19-yarder. Notice, none, I'm speaking there in the run game. Saw plenty of explosives last year in the run game, did not see it at all. Saw plenty of it last year versus Utah. In the first game of the season last year, a year later, not so much. Uh, one big thing before I end this episode, and you guys, uh, sorry, let's check the comments here, but of course, um, you guys may have spoke on this as well, but I got this question from a lot of people. During the game, after the game, today, where are the leaders on this team? That was the most prevalent question I got. Where are the leaders? I like what I saw from Graham Mertz. His grittiness. His, he, he was giving it his all, getting up after getting hit over and over again. Hopefully that continues to, to grow. But it's hard to identify some leaders right now. And look, that, that happens when you lose games. When you go 6-7 and seven last year, people are going to ask about leadership. When you lose that first game after that six and seven season, it's that question's still going to be there. Where's the leadership? Where are the 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 leaders to get out of this penalty funk? The inexcusable parts of the doing things that you can the things that you can reduce that hurt you, that hurt yourself. Where's the leadership to get rid of that or to help get rid of that? Granted, there's some Player responsibility here as well. But when it happens over and over again, and it's the same situations, that ultimately falls on the staff. And I don't want to make sit here and make that's doom and gloom for the rest of the season, but it needs to be fixed. Obviously, it needs to be fixed. But the reason we can harp on it is because it was the same issues we saw last year. Who are the guys who are now going to step up and make sure those issues do not happen? I mean, I hate to say it, and we're sitting here 0-1. Hopefully this is some kind of wake-up call. I know after talking to plenty of people, they were feeling good about going in this game yesterday. 
You got punched in the gut. You didn't respond. How do you respond now? Where are the leaders to make sure Florida responds in the right way? Season is not over. If that thought is creeping in the minds of these players, this season's already done. 0-1 is not... Utah started 0-1 last year. Got beat by what ended up being an average at best to bad Florida team. They picked up the pieces and moved on. Florida needs to do the same exact thing. The season's not over. Does not need to creep in their minds. Go fix the issues. You got a couple of weeks of the big game versus Tennessee. You'll be at home. That automatically will, should help. But we need some people to step up. Make sure that this doesn't fall apart. Is that a true sophomore in Shamar James? Can, can we already put that? Taraja Mitchell that you bring in from Ohio State who's you're supposed to be able to step into that role. A Cam Jackson up front on defense. A Prince Lee. Jason Marshall on the back end. You know, every level has the person you should be able to kind of count on on defense, on offense. Montreal Johnson, who's been in this offense and been with Billy Napier for three years. Graham Mertz, your quarterback. Ricky Pearsall, your number one receiver. Those are the guys that need to step up. We need to see that early, early for a turnaround. But that's it's bad when I get that question. That was the most prevalent question I got. The most prevalent question I got is where's the leaders of this team? Now they are young. This is a young team. We mentioned that. But there's there's enough. There's enough of the experienced players where you should you should definitely be noticing your leaders. All wicked fresh going. You know, Sap. I mean, yeah, he's got that fire in him. I mean, I think it was mentioned. Uh, let me see. Uh, let me go to. There was a quote here from Shamar James. Uh, yeah, Tyreek Sap, very vocal leader. Caleb Banks, Cam Jackson, a lot of our older guys that I look up to on defense are also great leaders on the team. Feel like going into halftime, they gave us that energy of back long with Coach Armstrong that helped us finish strong in the second half. Okay. They're needed now more than ever. 0-1 does not mean the season's over. But man, there's a lot to prove. Who? Austin Allen with a pretty straight-to-the-point comment here. Truly... What did y'all think would happen? No, you don't see this coming. Not the issues there. Florida losing? No. Okay, if, if Florida loses, okay, I can, I can see that. That was certainly a possibility. It's how. It's how. It's the issues in, or in, and in the way it happened that gets me. That's where I'm at with it. Captain Trips, just one game, but ouch. Yeah. <laughs> that's the that's the that's the crux of it. I mean, it is just one game. The most overused phrase in football is you see the most improvement from game one to game two. 
Well, we didn't see that last year, did we? <laughs> For Florida, you beat Utah to go and lose to Kentucky. You know, so looking at it now, you lose this game. Hopefully, you're not licking your wounds and all that. I mean, you could more than likely just roll out there versus McNeese. But you'd like to go see the team kind of rally and at least do what they're supposed to do against a team like that. Nathaniel Rogers brings up a good point, and yeah, I brought it up a little bit earlier too. The threat of Anthony's legs took pressure off the offensive lineman. Yep. He was able to, you know, we, we go back to, hey, Florida's offensive line last year, they didn't give up a lot of sacks. Okay, they were a better offensive line, and a lot of that also had to do with Anthony Richardson. His athleticism, his playmaking ability to escape. And there were plenty of times where he's pushing defenders off of him or just making a spectacular move to get away from pressure. You don't have that with Graham Mertz. You need the run game to help. You need the offensive line to block better. You need to get the ball out of his hands. And I see I see a lot of the comments, too, and I'll go to Nature Gator here. Castell, freshman, All-American top player. James, outstanding linebacker, much improved over last year. Moore's a stud. I mean, if they're, to me, the biggest positive takeaway, I like, for the most part, what Graham Mertz was able to do, but the biggest takeaway are the young guys the true freshmen that are out there making the plays. Trey Wilson, not enough touches, but I thought I think we saw enough. I think we saw enough to know, okay, that now he does he he has proven he needs the ball more in his hands. There is no doubt about it. I mean, Florida's got to figure out a way to use these short the short quick passing game now if this if this I don't know if they saw these run issues in camp. That that's the you know that's another thing. What did they see in camp, or what did they not see in camp, that reared its head versus Utah? If that run game was a complete surprise, all right, then maybe, then maybe it's there for the rest of the season. But if it wasn't there all fall camp, and then you go play a game in an opponent, and they shut it down right away, all right, it's time to it's time to uh, time to change the game plan already. If you struggled in fall camp and already struggled here, you got to figure out ways. And I think one of those ways to help the run game, short, quick, passing game, out wide to Pearsall, to Wilson, spread the defense out. But overall, going to those players that are mentioned here, Wilson as well, there's a lot to like as the, the, the young talent on this team. Can they be put in the right positions now? And there's going to be some growing pains. It's going to happen. And when we saw it with Wilson, you know, back there at punt returner, fields of punt deep in their own territory. Also the Jersey fiasco, the number three fiasco. I mean, but he's good enough. I figure it out. There's going to, you live with the growing pains with the potential that you have there in him. Lewis Mathis says, yeah, they didn't try to run the ball. You know, part of that too, um, part of it's, of course, you know, you'll go to play calling. Part of it's Graham Mertz, RPO, and, and, ch- and checking out, you know, with Utah and what they were showing. And uh, look, 
I've been a big proponent. You dictate the game. Florida didn't dictate anything up front. And you played right into Utah. It's happened against Kentucky too many times the last few years. Happened against Utah, but they load the box. Numbers say, all right, well, it's the pass play. But Florida can't capitalize on it. Not enough consistency. Not enough separation at the wide receiver position. Not enough consistency at the quarterback position. This has been an issue for years now where Florida's not dictating. You'd love to say, all right, I don't care if you got an extra defender in the box. We're going to run over you anyway. Was not able to do that. And then they, had, they didn't really try to do that. So a lot of it's play, you know, some of it's play calling, but some of it's on the quarterback. Billy Napier's given full control to these quarterbacks. And if numbers show you one thing or if an alignment shows you one thing, you're going to check a call. And what was originally called as a run is now a pass. And teams can bait Florida into that. Hey, we want you to pass. We're going to bait you into it. We're going to make you beat us one-on-one on the outside. Or we're going to make it where you got a block. And the quarterback may get hit. Oh. All right. Good stuff, guys. Hopefully, Will Miles and I will be back on Monday night. I'm eager to see where this team goes, how much they grow. I'm eager to see a bounce back in the run game, hopefully. Where is that at? Can Graham Mertz continue to... He was a plus for the Gator offense. And I think that may have been a big question of where he, he was. The start, the first three drives, I thought were... you know. It, Florida had trouble scoring, of course, but I could sit there and say through the first three drives, okay, there, there's enough there. He's he's not a hindrance to this offense. And I think by the time the end of the game, he's not a hindrance to this offense. He was pretty much, you know, about the between the 20s, keeping Florida somewhat in the game with the defense. But what does his game look like if the run game's not there? Given Billy Napier's history, it's not pretty. Let's see how far to adjust to other teams, other defenses in the SEC coming up. Oh, but unfortunately, Utah, man, they were ready to play, took advantage, and get the 24 to 11 win. One touchdown, man. I mean, I look, I don't want to. Harp on it too much. I didn't. That bowl game last year as well, but one touchdown in the last two games for Gators. Not pretty. Not pretty. Not the, but maybe a little bit of a precursor. Certainly got better quarterback play. All right. Unfortunately, had to talk about another loss here. Hopefully not many more this season, but man, got a lot to got a lot to fix here. A lot to fix. I don't see what the correlation is here. If you watch Florida Spring Game, you knew this was coming. What that we see in the spring game did we see 
in the Utah game. I mean, if anything, the quarterback struggled more in the spring game, looked better, actually, versus real competition in Utah. The run game was actually somewhat competent in the spring game. Not competent versus Utah. So, I don't know. No, I can't get on board with this. Sadly enough, I'm really starting to miss the Mullen era. At least we were winning some. Yeah, we were winning when other guys recruits. Florida, remember, Florida went six and seven two years in a row. That first year was the Dan Mullen-led team with his recruits. What makes you think that was going to be any better? Now, I said when the move was made, you know, it was good to make the move. That didn't necessarily mean Billy Napier was going to be the guy. But the move needed to be made. You just got to get the hire right. But no, you're not going to sit here and sell me on missing that era. Do I miss winning? Yeah, but that was going away. That was getting wiped away at the time of the firing. All right, all right, all right. There we go. Unfortunately, I had to talk about that one. But Gators go down 24-11. Start the season 0-1. McNeese next week. Tennessee the week after. So next couple weeks, man. Hopefully figure out something. Hopefully figure out something. But that'll do it for this episode of Gators Breakdown. I'm your host, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thank you for joining me on this episode of Gators Breakdown. <laughs>